And welcome. This is Barb Goldberg, and welcome to the Evil Stepmother Speaks radio show. And today's show is one of my favorite topics, and I think a lot of your favorite topics, and it's called Disengaging. I wanted to call this one the Disengaging Show. And for those of us in the stepmother world, we are probably somewhat uh, familiar with this term. It's that feeling of, you know, I'm just getting too involved, or I'm just not appreciated for all that I do, or all the advice that I give, or all the physical work that I do. One way or another, it's probably not uncommon for a stepmother to feel as though they want to disengage at some point or another. Now, the issue is, as I see it, is that that word, disengage, sounds like you're an uncaring person, sounds like, you know, you're somebody that doesn't care, you're going to let horrible things happen to your children, to your partner, to your home, and it just feels cold, right? Completely and totally cold. And it's really hard for many of us to even imagine being a disengaged person. So on this show today, I'd like to make an attempt to change your mind about that term disengagement. And actually, we need to find another term for it. And maybe that's something like truly loving unconditionally, truly um, accepting people as they are, something along those lines. So let's get started. I want to give you some tips that may or may not resonate with you on how to disengage, how to make your life more peaceful, and how to really live the life that you really had in mind most likely when you decided to enter into our blended families. So let's get going. First of all, the notion of powerlessness along with a long list of have-tos, right? It makes you feel when you hear that term disengage as if you had this vision of kids running around the house like wild maniacs, like throwing things all over and, and that the place will be just this huge mess. And just this notion of being out of control is really probably the first big concept that we have to deal with. And that's really a thought that we have that if we don't tell people what to do or teach them what to do, or whatever verb you want to use, then our lives will be a mess. And I'd like to challenge anyone on listening to this call that really think about that thought. If I don't tell people what to do or how to do it, etc., then my life will be a mess. Or my house will be a mess, however you want to put it. And I'm here to challenge you that maybe, maybe that's not true. And if your house was a mess, what's the big deal when you compare it to the torture you feel as you come home from work and then you've got, you know, two hours of straightening up or screaming to do? Along with powerlessness are all those teachings that we learn growing up from authority figures, from parents to teachers to society, you name it, of the things that we, quote, have to do. And that is we have to have a clean house. We have to help kids with their homeworks. We have to make dinner every night and it has to be on the table by 6.30. And I can go on and on and on. Those lessons that we were taught are very, very hard to disengage from. But if you understand the basic concept on both these points, powerlessness and have-tos, that they are 
pure thoughts in our brains and are no more real than if I told you that, you know, Cinderella was about to come down your steps with her glass shoes on. It's really not real. They're thoughts that were put into our heads by other people who put thoughts in their head, but in no way, shape, or form are they real in any way. So just think about that and give that some quiet contemplation. Next, I want to explain that there isn't one action on the planet upon which you can't do something about. And that is you can bag it, you can barter it, or you can better it. Everything. So if you know you have a child that's driving you insane, you can just, frankly, if it's a stepchild, you can just say no more visitation, you could bag it, or you could leave the house when they come. And I know that a lot of these alternatives are not necessarily realistic, but I'm just trying to give you the sense of the true power that you really do have. You can bag anything. You can barter it. That is, you can trade off with someone. You can use that time and say, you know what, when the kids come, I'm going to use this time to spend, if you have any bio kids, or it's a good time for me to have girlfriend time. You don't need to be standing in the house staring at them 24-7. So you can barter something. Well, what if you did this and then I'll do that? Or you say to your partner, what if you just took the kids, you know, it's like daddy time, if you will. And special daddy time every Saturday afternoon where it's one-on-one time. And if you do this, you know, then I'll make, while you're gone, I'll make a meal for the following week, something. You can always barter it. Or you can better it. And that is that you can do something to change the way things are running right now if those things are driving you insane. If you are, you know, doing all the driving, if you're doing, you know, then just you can change and say, look, you know, I'm not driving anymore. You could, you know, kids are old enough, you could call Uber. (laughs) And it's cold as that sounds, but, you know, you get the gist of it. Or, you know what, Um, bio parents do all the driving. You know, I'm not a a taxi service, whatever. But you can always, for, it may not be alternatives that you love or you think that you want to do, but you can always take anything and do one of the three Bs. Bag it, barter it, or better it. The third thing conceptually I want you to think about is the notion of silence and quiet. I kind of call it the big clear. But here's the thing. It means that you don't have to always answer. You don't always have to say something. Consider the notion of saying nothing. It's kind of a fun experiment. If you have kids coming and going, try the game and maybe for the first, I don't know, five, ten minutes when they come, say nothing. I don't mean not to say hello when they walk in the door, but people are telling stories. You just nod your head. Uh, You're hearing stories during the day about what this one did and that one did. And just kind of say, you know what, I'm just going to be quiet. It's your best friend. All right? So now let's get into some tactical work on some techniques that you may or may not want to choose to do to disengage. I'd love to hear if any of these resonate with you. First of all, as a best practice, regardless of whether you're a stepmother or not, you should start your day with intention. In other words, what it is that you intend to 
project or accomplish for the day, even if it's as you're driving to work and you're just talking to yourself in the car, it's the way I always did it, say, you know, I intend to be really patient today, or I tend to be, I'm just going to listen and not talk today. That's my intention. I'm going to stay calm. I'm going to have patience. And I'm going to recognize that a lot of the thoughts that are coming into my head are just that. They're just thoughts and they fleet and they come and go. Whatever your intention is for the day, it may have to do with work. It may have to do this. It may have to do that. You start your day with intention. It may sound woo-woo, but I'm telling you it works. So let me then match it up, starting your day with attention with a little bit of science. And that is that generally thoughts last for 90 seconds. Of course, unless you choose to feed it, like talking about the X for 10,000 hours. But your thoughts will last for 90 seconds. So another tactical um, technique. Make this mental rule that you're not going to answer for 90 seconds. Always give yourself the 90 seconds. Hmm, let me think about that. Hmm. So that as maybe someone's thinking and you're having a thought in your head like, oh, they really hate me, or I could just tell their mother told them that, or something like that, let it dissipate after the 90 seconds. Slow down your answers and just slow it all down. Okay? Another one, which you may or may not have done, is literally to write down exactly what it is that you're doing on a day-to-day basis. You know what's really fun to do if you ever get in the mood is make a pie chart, you know, literally a pie chart, and look at how many hours you're doing each thing, like, you know, things for the kids or things that, how many hours at work, how many hours you sleep, and literally take a physical look at how you're spending your time. But if it's, you know, specifically around you know, children issues, which a lot of it is, write down every single thing you're doing in a very fact-based way, not an emotional one, no judgment. And then you can rank each one of those things on the list of how much you enjoy doing them. A 10 being, yo, it's the greatest thing I ever did. And a one being, I just can't stand doing it and rank them. Then see, realistically, if you can move those things on the lower end of the spectrum over to one of the bio parents. I mean, they should be doing most of the work anyway. And frankly, I'm sure the children would prefer that their bio parents do most of this work. And frankly, I would think bio parents would think the same thing. So if you just hate doing the homework, it's not your thing, shift it over. If you're doing every pickup on the planet, shift it over. You know what? Let mom do it and just rearrange. Or do you hate cooking every single meal? Shift it around. Let the kids do some of it right? Let the kids do something. Any decision-making process that can literally, you know, will fit into this idea of making a list, making another column for each bio parent and start to shift some of the responsibilities over. And this may also guide you that when you sit down with your partner to explain the shifts you'd like to make, it helps keep you fact-based as opposed to emotional-based when you're explaining things. When you were able to show your chart, for some people, and especially, you know, some people are very visual learners and they understand things better. And again, keeping you guided just for what's on your sheet and not getting into why either one of them are horrible parents because they don't do X, Y, and Z. And to be very fact-based and say, listen, um, here's, it's not because, you know, I hate your children. That's not why. It's just that 
you know, I have things, other things I'm trying to accomplish. I want to be able to live a life like you do that, you know, has some quality. And there's just some things that, you know, just don't work for me. And start to fact, factually move things over. Next, um, this goes back to this notion that we talked about originally about powerlessness and the have-to list. Really check your thought work. So let's talk about the word disengaging or even asking or actually telling your partner that you're not going to do certain things. Now think about the things they typically are, especially as women. It might be cooking. It might be picking up. It might be doing homework. It might be that, you know, you just want to go to bed early. You know, think about those things. In the world of women, for many of us, those items that we may choose not to do, we would then be labeled as selfish. We could easily be labeled, according to the early thoughts that were put into our heads, as terrible mothers, terrible wives, of being a terrible person. I'm passing horrible work onto my partner. Remember, don't assume because you don't like doing something that someone else doesn't like doing it. Makes you feel like, hey, you know, if I don't do this stuff, I'm not worth having around. Um, or the notion that I know this child needs this. I have to do it. Does the child really need it? Do you really have to do it? Again, if you really start questioning your thoughts, you'll see that many of these things come from a place where we think that we know better than the bio parents. I know better. So the combination of feeling as though we're worthless or we're not living up to our um, responsibilities, if you will, um, really think through these thoughts and think about some con- contrasting thoughts, if any of these resonates, resonate excuse me, with you. So if it's like, I'm a terrible person for not doing these things, another thought to reverse it might be, you know, I'm a good person because I'm setting an example for my children on how to live life. Or I'm not a terrible person for not doing these things. And if you literally write these thoughts down in reverse or say them to yourself if it's easier, you'll see that they'll, one of them or more will start to ring true. Or something like, you know, my thoughts are telling me that I'm a terrible person. It doesn't mean you're a terrible person. In fact, I'm here to tell you, you are not. And whatever these notions are of what defines a mother, remember, they were placed there by somebody. And we can redefine what that means. So it's, let me take it to the next level and put it to you maybe another way that might be more palatable for some. So suppose you really step back and thought about um, what you would like, the kind of life you would like for all your children. This is kind of probably pretty easy for most of us. We, we know what we want for them, right? We want them to be able to be independent financially and emotionally. We want them to be able to take care of themselves financially, and especially the little girls in our lives that they're completely independent. We want them to be able to pick meaningful partnerships, friendships, and et cetera, people that will help them develop and grow and for them to find happiness and friendship with other people on the planet, right? 
So if you looked at yourself and what you were doing and you feel as though if your children grew up to do exactly what you were doing, that that would be awesome to you, then you're right there. But remember, the most powerful lessons you're going to teach them, all of them, is what you're doing, not what you're saying. So if you're coming home and you are just doing a whole bunch of work that you just hate, which of course is going to make you grumpy, which of course is going to make you stressed, of course is going to make you angry, it's going to make you feel resentment. Next thing you know, you're screaming at people or people can just tell by your body language that you're just hating life or they hear you arguing with your partner, going on and on. Any of this kind of resonates. Is that what you would want to teach them? Or do you want to teach them how to carve out a life of doing things that they'd want to do. It's not like, and I don't mean it in the sense that like we only have to do the things we want to do. You got to clean the bathrooms. You got to do the dishes. You got to do the laundry. I'm talking about things that, and you know the difference, that you've volunteered to do potentially, and now you really kind of want to get out of it because you realize that it's just not adding to the quality of your life. You just feel resentfulness that you just don't want to do it. You want to be able to teach your children to communicate their needs in a fact-based way. So ask yourself, are you doing that? Are you practicing your own self-care? And when you, whatever it is that you're doing, I can't reiterate it enough, your children are going to mimic. Mimicry is one of the most um, inborn, um, strongest uh, characteristics of human beings. We learn through mimicry, not through lecturing, but through mimicry. So keep that in mind. So every time you doubt, oh, you know what, I can't tell my partner that uh, it's just too much for me to pick up every day, or I just don't want to do it, you know, and we need to work something else out, you know, carpool, again, barter it, make it better, you know, whatever, like carpool, like regular people or something like that, then When you have that thought, like, I just can't say it, it's going to think I'm worthless, take a step back, take a deep breath, and then ask yourself the key question, what would I want my child to do if they were living their ideal lives? And a lot of times by phasing, actually putting it that way, we might be able to get through the thought work and see it in a clearer way, okay? Now... Um, here's a couple things that I just want to give some watch outs for those of you that step in and do extra work in the house because you think quote, it won't get done the way you want it to, or that it won't get done in the time frame that you want it to, um, or that quote, you can do it better. Um, I'm going to encourage you to try to fight off those instincts because sometimes we're a little bit how do I say, tough, if you will. A lot of us are type A, it's kind of tough. So if you know that you have those tendencies and you already know that it's a certain child's job to do the dishes and they get up and they don't just immediately run to the sink and start doing it or they stop and do something else. And even though I know, even at, even as I'm saying these words, if you start to feel stressed out and you can already start to feel your back tighten or your stomach rumbling at the mere thought of it, then move yourself out of the situation and don't look at it. If you know some of that's going to go on and it's going to drive you insane, go into another room, shut the door, and do something else. Watch TV, put on your computer and do something, go on Facebook, 
going to stepmom life class like a lot of you do, etc. Don't look at it. Don't start freaking out or anything. And if you come out later and it's still not done, it's over to the bio parent and say, hey, dishes still aren't done. Handle it. And even if it goes to the next morning, ignore it. Repeat it. You know, you told them once, just let it go. It's the only way things are going to change. Okay? And if you feel that stress coming into your body, just breathe through it. And also, check your thought work. You know, those dishes need to be done right now. I don't want to wake up to those dirty dishes in the morning. It's to drive me crazy. Um, I don't like going to bed with the house is dirty. Um, a lot of those thoughts, again, came from childhood. It's no different than if you let a child cry in their crib so that they learn how to self-soothe as an infant. This is like kind of the same thing. you got to have the strength to let it go until people get it and they realize it's so unbelievably gross, they'll get it done. Even if it goes on for a week, it'll get done. You just have to have the faith that it will. Breathe through it and keep going to another room and checking your thought work. Here's another watch out. For many of you, um, you may have made an agreement, and sometimes there's someone impulsive or... um, agreements or agreements made without really thinking every single minute of your day through, but you made agreements with your partner to do certain things, especially with your stepchildren and so forth. And now that you're living it, you're realizing that it really doesn't work. And, and when you make that list of all the things that you're doing, you start realizing that it's just eaten up your day to a point where there's just no time to breathe. Don't think that you're quote, a flip flopper. Here's another one where thought work may come into play. If you change your mind, you're a person that doesn't keep their agreements. If you change your mind, you're a flip-flopper. Or I hate this one. If you change your mind, you're, quote, just like a woman. Not true. If you change your mind, it's because you're educated and you know more now than when you originally volunteered to do certain things. So again, check your thought work. What does it mean to you if you were to change your mind or change an agreement? And listen, it's no different than if you were in business and you had a contract and one entity comes to another and says, listen, you know, um, I know when we originally got together, I said that, um, you know, I was going to order so many units per month, but I find that we're just not selling through. I'd like to adjust that quantity as to what we're selling through or, or increase it more. We're selling more things. So can, is it possible to increase it? Or can we, you know, <clears throat> even sometimes it's, Hey, the economy's getting tough. We want to change the day of receivables from 30 days to 45 things that might be, you know, maybe not the greatest, but still making an adjustment. People may not like it, but in business, they would understand it. Like, okay, these are fact-based kinds of conversations. Same thing in your home fact-based kind of conversations. And just sit there and say, you know, when I volunteered, I really thought that I could do it. I really thought that, you know, I had the time. I just find that it's too much. I want to get dinner started. Or I want, you know, I really want to take that yoga class and I would be better as a mother and better as a wife if I had time to take that yoga class rather than go, you know, and fill in the blank, whatever it is that you're doing. And by the way, it may seem counterintuitive, But when you do do something for yourself, be it the yoga class, be it the happy hour with the girls, be it anything, be it sit down and read a book, you become a better mother, wife, partner in the long run. Even though you're not doing like the, you know, helping with homework or the typical 
quote mommy things or whatever, you will actually do a better job and you'll be, because you'll be happier. And if all else is lost, when you're talking um, to especially like your male partner, sometimes you need to talk to them in a way that they understand um, maybe better than some of our other logic than they would understand. And, you know, the bottom line of it is, is that if you're resentful, bitter, exhausted, then your sex life is going to suck. You know, you're going to resent being with your partner. It's, it's not going to be something that you're going to be gung-ho to do. But if you have a life where you're doing the things that, you know, generally you're comfortable doing, you have a little bit of time for yourself, um, you're not like listening to all the banter and about things with the ex-wife. That's another show that I've done over time. That's another topic for another day. And all that stuff, negative, 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 negative. You are going to be a much more willing sexual partner and a much better sexual partner. And sometimes when you explain things to your, um, especially your male partner in those terms, they understand it better. And they're much more open. So, you know, consider that as not, it's not only a tactic, but it's also a fact. Because while all this other stuff is going on, very often our intimate lives are affected. And that actually has a huge impact on the rest of our lives. So listen, this is your own personal journey. And remember this, when you save yourself, you save your children, all of your children, and you save your partnership. The most powerful, powerful work you can do is to set an example by living a 360 degrees life for yourself, okay, without resentment, without the bitterness, without the negativity, without listening to stories. That's the example that you want to set for your children and want them watching you work through it and actually being fact-based and carving out um, a day-to-day existence that makes sense, sense for you will teach them how to do that for themselves. It's the greatest gift you can give them. So with that, um, I wish you all a wonderful week or year with your family. And if you feel as though you'd like more support, you can find me at barb at theevilstepmotherspeaks.com to write me an email. Of course, my website, theevilstepmotherspeaks.com, where you'll see blogs, And my radio show, um, The Evil Stepmother Speaks radio show, which is on, well, you're listening to us at Block Talk Radio. And if you'd like one-on-one coaching, please go to the website and you'll see for uh, support, um, the support tab, support for stepmoms tab, and I'll be happy to coach you one-on-one. Or, of course, you can write me an email. You can join us on my open Facebook page at The Evil Stepmother Speaks on Facebook. And there's a private one called Stepmom Life Class, where uh, that's our sacred space for stepmoms to talk privately. If you'd like to join that, please uh, feel free to friend friend me at Barbara Goldberg. Um, I live in Arizona, if there's a few of us that pop up. I'll see you there, and I can usually tell you're a stepmom. I'll write you a little note, and I will let you in. So with that, all the best to you. Take care. We'll talk next time.